0: Pittsburgh.
1: And emphasized how dumb it is. The home run used to be the most exciting play in all of sports. Not in baseball, but in all of sports. But now we got overkill. Baseball is all home runs. Everyone swings for the fences, launch angle, exit velocity. Baseball made the home run boring. The home run derby is like the dunk contest in the NBA. It was exciting at one time, but not anymore after X amount of years, and after Michael Jordan, Julius Irving, etc., you saw every kind of dunk you could possibly see. Now it's the same with the home run derby. you got batting practice pitchers, everybody oversells every home run. It's more the same, what we see every game, only easier. There's no degree in difficulties. Juiced golf balls, almost, lobbed up there right in the wheelhouse baseball should have a triple into the gap derby or a hit to the opposite field derby or a bunt derby give me something with a degree of difficulty have a derby that spotlights something we don't see all the damn time so hey home run derby guess what you just made the list The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing, under name you can trust, dial 412-367-0815. And Matt Mertz will take care of all your plumbing needs. Some ideas are good for a while. The dunk contest, the home run derby, the NHL skills competition. But then it's just same old, same old. The skills competition's turned into a clown act with the NHL. Another idea that's gone stale. The outdoor games in the NHL. You still want to do them because they sell so many tickets, and it feels like an event. The Winter Classic. The first Winter Classic in Buffalo was awesome. And then, right away, there's too many of them. And in places like L.A. and Dallas. And the ice melted this year in Lake Tahoe. Ideas like that have a shelf life. The Home Run Derby is dead, but they keep pulling the corpse out of the coffin. Like I said earlier, the reaction to home run derby is like fireworks. You're seeing the same thing over and over, but it's like, ooh, ah, pitch, home run. Ooh, ah, pitch, home run, rinse and repeat. But Pete Alonso of the Mets got a good payday by winning for a second straight year. He made more in those two home run derby victories, $2 million total. That's more than he made playing baseball in those two years. The real hero was Alonzo's pitcher because he just kept grooving those juiced balls. I think he starts for the Pirates after the All-Star break. And Otani went out in the first round, which means everybody changed the channel. Does anybody really think that Otani can be like the next big thing in baseball for the long term? You know, Stephen A. Smith, what he said, very ill-advised. But – Can Otani be that guy? And is there a risk with him both pitching and hitting indefinitely? Is that a risk? Nobody thought it was a risk with Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson, but they tried to do too much for too long. Now, Otani's not playing football, so that is a very flawed comparison, but that's what I do. I make flawed comparisons. Uh, We've been talking about the Bucko Draft, which is the greatest draft in history of all drafts in any sport. Uh, It guarantees a World Series. No question about that. We've been talking about Ultimate Fight and the time I had out there. We've been talking about who the Penguins need to let go, who they would like to lose, who they would like to keep in the expansion draft. I believe that protected list needs to be submitted by Saturday. And people are saying, I just got a tweet. Stick the hockey, fat ass. They had a great draft by not taking the best player with the first pick. They saved money to sign, blah, 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 four great players, blah, blah, blah. Okay, they're going to sign all those players. Are they all going to turn out? Because if they could have taken two of the next three players and got them, two of the next three of these supposedly, you know, Four great picks they got, including the first pick. If they could have got two of the next three after the first pick, I would still rather have lighter. Because I want a number one pitcher. The game's 90% pitching. And you had a chance to get it. I'm tired of talking about it. Honestly, there are certain things I'm going to show up and just not talk about it all ever again. And Pirates Baseball is one of them. Because a lot of you rubes are convinced that they're – a great organization, and that glory is inevitable. And I've been hearing that nonsense every year since 1980, that glory is inevitable. And they ain't won a playoff series since winning the World Series in 1979. But, you know, Ben Sherrington is the new Joel Brown. And to show you how long it's been since the Pirates are good, I bet you don't even know who that is. He was the GM in the 70s when the Pirates made the playoffs just about every year. Joe L. Brown. Son of comedian Joe E. Brown. Uh, you're convinced they're going to be great. You're convinced this is the best draft ever. You're convinced their strategy is flawless. So you know what? Maybe at some point i just let you think that. You can read and listen to your stooges and sellouts. And then in five years when they still suck, I'll be there. I will definitely be there, but I don't know. I said to Stan, it was kind of a, it kind of popped out. Maybe I ought to retire because this this business has changed so much. Now, if you stooge for the teams, people rally around you. I mean, the vitriol I've taken because I won't stooge for the Pirates. But then again, I got to be honest. Ain't none of you can take me in a fight, and none of you have the balls to try anyway. Ain't none of it cannot talk me. So I'm just going to keep dominating. Period no matter what path I choose to take. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we got John Perot at the bottom of the hour. Going to talk about the draft with him. Perot is a great baseball writer, and he's not a pirate stooge. I don't know if you've noticed he's the only pirate writer we have on, and there's a reason for that. Oh, wait, no, we had Jerry DePaul on, too. And he covers the Pirates kind of part-time for the trip. He's less stoogerific, I think is a good way to put it. So we got Perrault at the bottom of the hour. I've been writing some weird columns. I like when I write weird columns, off the beaten path. Like my one for, for um, a couple of days from now, I'm working on how sports is important. How when people have their lives negatively affected because of sports, that's a choice they made when they chose to participate in big-time sports. And they're getting paid whatever, so if they don't think the reward is worth the risk, then they never should have taken the risk in the first place. I did a column about how the uh, NHL and NBC was an abject failure. I, I love when people say, like, well, they came up with the outdoor game. Yeah, and then they had too many of them, and the ice melted at Lake Tahoe. And it became unspecial. Well, they put an analyst between the benches. Okay, why do I care about that? Why is an analyst between the benches any better at analytics than a guy up in the booth? Why is that? Tell me exactly why that is. Because he's closer to the action? Well, if he's closer to the action and benefits because of it, how come all the media doesn't want to sit down real close, but instead they're all up high above the arena in the press box? And, uh... The, the 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 between the benches analyst is just a good visual. You know, Pierre almost gets hit with a puck once in a while. Four one two three 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 333 WXDX. Oh, somebody ranked the the edge rushers. And TJ Watt got ranked behind Khalil Mack and Miles Garrett, so all the Steeler bloggers are having a conniption. All right, call if you want. Don't give a damn if you don't. John Parade at the bottom of the hour at 1059.
0: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Don't worry, what's up, man? Legal something
1: and doing it to the point of being stupid or two different
0: things stupid. The X at 1059. <laughs>
1: I the music because I have a dramatic reading of the lyrics of a rock song. This is "Slided In by Whitesnake. You talk too much, never saying what's on your mind. It's written on your face and in the words you hide behind. I know what you want. I can see what you're looking for. I know what you want from me. And I'm going to give you more. I'm going to slide it in. Right to the top. Slide it in. I ain't never going to stop. Slide it in. Right to the top. I'm going to slide it in. Slide it in. Slide it in, baby. Sometimes you seem... Just like a stranger to me. But all the games you play make it so easy to see. You're looking for love though you try to deny. The things you put me through tell me what I've got to do to you. I'm going to slide it in right to the top. Slide it in. I ain't never going to stop. Slide it in Right to the top. I'm going to slide it in. Slide it in. You talk too much, always treating me so unkind. I know what I've got to do to get me some peace of mind. I'm going to slide it in right to the top. Slide it in. I ain't never going to stop. Slide it in right to the top. I'm going to slide it in, slide it in, slide it in, right to the top. Slide it in, I ain't never going to stop. Slide it in, right to the top. I'm going to slide it in, slide it in, slide it. Slide it in, slide it in, right to the top, baby. That's my dramatic weeding of White Snake's slide it in. I believe, words and music by David Coverdale, but we ignored the music and are for sure his words. Trust me on that one. Let's go to Dennis. Dennis, show with double M. Denise, I'm sorry. Denise, hello.
0: Hi, Mark. Um, So in regard, I don't even know who the Pirates drafted, but it doesn't really matter because the second phone call to this player was his parents consoling him that just do your best because maybe someone else will get you.
1: I disagree, and, ma'am. And the the first call was from his, disagree. The first call was yeah. from his agent saying sit tight we'll get you out of there as soon as we can.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Because the Pirates are a AAA team that's getting to play in Major League Baseball and they should lose that ability if the well, owner Actually,
1: actually the, the the parents, the parents, all the parents know is that their kid got picked number one. He's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And the kid's excited because he's going to the major leagues, or at least, you know, the path there is clear. Finally, yeah. he knows he's going to get a legitimate yeah. chance, but yeah, the agent, the agent is the one who thinks like you and I do.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the parents did too. I mean, they're, you hold tight. They want if You want your kid to win. <laughs> I, you
0: know, oh, no, no, no. First you win. want
1: your kid to make it and make money and then win.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess that's true. But.
1: Thank you for the call. I, I was right, Words and Music by David Coverdale. In fact, that album, which is my favorite Whitesnake album, slide it in. Uh, four, that's the title track. Four of the songs written totally by Coverdale, four by Coverdale and Mel Galley, no, five by Coverdale and Mel Galley, and one by Coverdale and Mickey Moody, which is the Pittsburgh radio hit Slow and Easy, which... Uh, Boy, my emotionally, I can't handle more than one a day. Up next, Talk Baseball with John Parada here on 105.9 the X.
0: And now the super genius, Mark Madden. And a lot of funny stuff has no taste. Like, for example, this show. I just wanted to say how funny that was. Now I'm going to cut you off before you can make a joke. The X at
1: 105.9. Pirates with a draft that everyone seems to love. Joining me now to talk about it. And tonight's All-Star Game, he is America's most dangerous baseball writer. Always a pleasure to welcome John Parada. JP, how good was the Pirates draft? It seems to check all the boxes. There also seems to be a slight element of overreaction to it.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, who's going to know until four, five, six years down the road for sure, but I mean, on the surface, if you go by where these guys were ranked, how they were regarded by scouts and by uh, analyst guys from like baseball perspective and MLB pipeline, I mean, obviously they got uh, a number of good players, not only in the first round with the first pick, but in the subsequent rounds. So, uh, on paper, it looks good, but, uh, you know, we've seen them look good on paper many other years in the draft and, and in the farm system and it didn't work out. So, We'll find out, but they did seem to get some pretty exciting young guys.
1: How good is their farm system right now, including the guys they just drafted, assuming they can sign most of them? Because it seems like uh, it, it has hitters, but not pitchers.
2: Yeah, it's, I, would, I would say it's better than average at this point. It's certainly in better shape than it was a year, uh, year and a half ago when Ben Charrington took over in November of uh, two or 2019, but... Yeah, you're right. They do have hitters. Pitching's a little lacking. They they certainly had uh, no catching of note until the other day when they took Henry Davis first overall from the University of Louisville. So it's getting better. Uh, It's not overly teeming with great prospects, but it's certainly starting to head that way. Uh, Carrington has made uh, a number of uh, moves to get high-end talent and trades. And, uh, you know, and so we'll see how it turns out because a lot of those guys are still a couple steps or more from the big leagues.
1: Why take a catcher over a pitcher with that first pick? Why take Henry Davis over Jack Leiter? Walk me
2: through that. Well, for one, I, I've been told Jack Leiter basically told the pirates, though I don't know what recourse he would have had, that he didn't want to come to Pittsburgh. That is uh He wanted no part of coming to the Pirates. I don't know. I mean, uh, what leverage he would have other than go back to college for another year and not get, probably not get as much money next year would be the only recourse. Uh, I think I think they looked at it. They looked at a guy who they thought they could sign for under-slot uh, and take some of that money and spend it on some high-end high school kids that they would need to spend uh, more money on to entice them not to go to college. So I think that was part of it. And in fairness to the Pirates on this. Davis is a very highly regarded player. This isn't uh, a reach where they went down and they took the 12th best player on the board. Uh, you know, a lot of people, including Keith Law from The Athletic, who are, I respect quite a bit as a, process, as a uh, draft analyst, he had Davis number one most of the spring. Uh, everybody had him in the top four. So, uh, you know, they, they didn't reach for this. I think what they did is thought, let's get a player and also see if that can help us get some better players in subsequent rounds.
1: I'm not surprised Leiter didn't want to come to Pittsburgh. I'm surprised, honestly, anybody does. But I would have called his bluff, and maybe that's a dangerous game to play, but I take Leiter because I just don't see how they get a number one starting pitcher otherwise, John. They can't trade for one, and they won't sign one in free agency. Who knows the next time they get that kind of opportunity?
2: Well, I I agree. I think it's hard to pass up a pitcher like that, but that is – that's what they thought they needed to do. I, you know, it was a tough call. In my estimation, uh, you know, they had two high school shortstops really good too. And, uh, I think part of it, Mark, is I think they thought Leiter is a guy who's very close to the big leagues and they're not very close to contending. So why waste two or three years of his, uh, you know major league service time that he's accruing to get to arbitration on teams that aren't very good, and I think that probably had a play in it but i, I just had the feeling all along for whatever reason that the pirates were leaning toward a position player because uh you know I know that you know there have been talk about Leiter, but I never got that feeling that the pirates ever seriously were going to take him number one. How much of that again was because lighter didn't want to come here? I don't know for certain. I think that had something to do with it, but Charrington seemed pretty much fixated on getting a hitter.
1: Okay, so uh they, they passed on lighter. I know they got a pitcher in the second round that's fairly highly regarded. Is there anyone in the pirates system who has the potential to be a number one starter?
2: You know, I don't really see it, to be honest. They they've had a few guys uh you know, that are decent, they're okay, but I I don't really see anyone that jumps out at me and says, wow, this guy's a number one starter. I mean, they have some guys who could be number threes, number fours, maybe, maybe, you know, a closer or something like that, but no. And, uh, I, I agree that that is, uh, that is certainly an organizational need, but, uh, You know, you look at it and last year, Charrington loaded up on pitchers in the the short draft, which only were uh, five rounds and they had six picks because they had a compensatory pick. And after Nick Gonzalez, the infielder, they took all pitchers. So, uh, I, my estimation would be in, is Charrington, uh, figures, uh, that they have a number of pitchers in the pipeline. But, but it's, it's, uh, it's maybe a better question really to ask Ben than me. I, uh, I, I personally, I like to stock up on pitchers if I were a GM, and I'm a little surprised they didn't do more of that early on.
1: Now, Leiter would have commanded a bigger signing bonus, we're told. And by not drafting him, the Pirates could pick better players later in the draft, we're told. Did all that come to pass?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, they signed two football—or not signed, but they drafted two football guys, and Lonnie White Jr. from uh, Melbourne Prep in the suburbs of Philly in the second round, he's a— uh, Penn State football recruit, too, but he's also a legitimate baseball player. This isn't a kid that just plays uh baseball in the, in the summer for something to do. He's a very good baseball player, too. And then they took Bubba Chadwick, a pitcher who's a Clemson quarterback uh, recruit in the third round. Chadwick told reporters today on a Zoom call that he's it sure sounds like he's going to sign White uh, hasn't spoken to reporters yet, so I don't know what he's thinking. But those are two high-end guys that the Pirates uh, probably couldn't afford if they had to pay slot value, which happens to be a little over a million for White and uh, about 750000 for Chadwick. And they're going to have to go over both of those to get those kids.
1: Of the picks after Davis, who do you hear the best things about?
2: Well, the, the people like the second round pick Solometto, but he's a high school kid and he's more of a long range project. But uh a lot of people like Lonnie White Junior. Uh he's one of the top hundred football players in the country this this past year and he's a center fielder who has power potential, doesn't really hit for a lot of power yet, hits for average, has outstanding speed, is a good defensive center fielder, has a good arm, and a lot of people seem to like him and a lot of people think he'll be uh he could be a tough sign only because he is so talented and he does have that scholarship to Penn State sitting there. So, But uh, that is the, that's a the guy to keep an eye on for sure.
1: Let's say the Pirates do build a good team with these picks and with their farm system. Do you trust the owner to spend the money it takes to keep a good team together? Because in the past, he did not.
2: No, no, until he does, I'll never believe that he'll do it. And you know, he can talk all he wants and he can have his minions uh, talk all they want about how they're committed and that and, they're not. No, so what they're really going to have to do, Mark, is get these young guys, get them to blossom early in their careers while they still will be willing to pay them before they get uh, too expensive and hope that they can uh, get enough of these guys to blossom at the same time and have a couple-year run, kind of like they did in 13, 14, and 15. But, no, I to get back to the original question, no, I, I have no faith at all that Bob Nutting is, is going to be the kind of guy to keep a championship team together for five or six years. No.
1: We're talking to John Prada here on 105.90X. Where and when do you expect Adam Fraser to go, and what will the Pirates get in return because uh, – I hate to see them trade their best hitter, but I understand it's the right move given the circumstances.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you know, obviously they'd be selling high on him. He's had the best first half, best half of his career and. uh, you know, there's teams out there, the Chicago White Sox come to mind. They lost their rookie second baseman, Nick Madrigal, for the season with hamstring surgery. Uh The Mets are another team they could move. To, they really don't have a third baseman. They could take Jeff McNeil, their second baseman, move him over to third, and, and have Frazier play second. So, you know, those are the two teams, to me, that seem the most likely to, to trade for him. Though he can play other positions, so they not necessarily a team would trade for him to play second base. But it, it, as far as what they would get back, uh, I think they would get one good prospect. I mean, they're not going to get one of like the top 10, top 40 prospects in baseball for Adam Frazier. That's just not going to happen. But I think they could get a really good prospect and maybe a second prospect. It's kind of like some of the guys they got, for example, in the Starling Marte trade with the Diamondbacks, guys who are, who are still pretty far from the big leagues. But have a, a whole lot of potential, a whole lot of upside, and hope that a, a guy like that that they hit in the long term on. I, I would say if they could do that, uh, they've done pretty well in the Frazier trade because I mean he's a good player having a good year, but he's not looked at as a as a huge impact player in, in the in the in the industry.
1: The Pirates are not having a good year now. How on earth did they get two starters in tonight's All Star game, John? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs>
2: Well, I guess the old blind squirrel thing—it's kind of hard to believe. That's for and sure. And they're two pretty
1: good players, and I know injuries figured in, but
2: nonetheless, yeah. but they're deserving. I mean, they are deserving. Frazier's had a really good year. He's been one of the best hit all-around hitters in the league, and Reynolds has had an outstanding year too. I mean, he's hit for more power than he showed as a rookie two years ago. You know, he's one of the top guys in slugging percentage, and he's also. uh you know, he was considered mainly a left fielder, and I think the Pirates were a little skeptical when they moved him to center if he could handle it. And he's handled it quite well. He's not a gold glover, but he's certainly a, an average or better defender in center field. And, uh, you know, they're both deserving, and I know people around the country are looking, go, oh my God, how the team that bad get two starters. But if they look a little deeper, these guys are deserving. It isn't just, uh, they're just throwing somebody into the lineup.
1: Now, what's your take on last night's home run derby? It is such an extension of how actual baseball is now, John. Only the balls are loaded even more, and it's repetitive—just pitch, home run, pitch, home run. I found it boring up till the very end. I will say the fast finish by Pete Alonso was pretty good.
2: They—I'm uh, not a big derby guy. I find it mind-numbing after a while for all the reasons you just mentioned. I—I uh, I, I think the ending is interesting. I like to watch the final round, but. Uh, to me, it's just too long, and it's the same thing over and over again. Maybe if they cut it down a little and had four guys in it and had quicker rounds, it would be more interest to me. But I uh, I know a lot of people like it. I mean, a lot of people say they've watched that instead of the All-Star game itself. But to me, like you said, it's a microcosm of baseball in 2021. Hit the ball out of the park or strike out, and uh, it just gets boring. And I would say this. I've been in person for many of them, probably at least 20 and they're not that much more exciting in person to me either. I just uh, I don't get the allure that it has to so many people.
1: Uh, I think it's one of those ideas that was good for the first couple. Like the dunk contest was good for the first couple. The hockey outdoor games good for the first couple. But it, but it just faded. And really, I think the All-Star games faded too. I remember as a kid, it was something we always looked forward to because you saw matchups, pitcher versus batter, that you never saw like you never saw Bob Gibson against Mickey Mantle unless it was in the all-star game or a world series but now with interleague play and free agency it's not like those old days at all
2: yeah I I would agree Mark uh it it certainly interleague play took took something away from the all-star game and uh I I was afraid when they went to interleague play that would be one casualty of it, and it has indeed come true because basically it's like one big league now. It's it's not the whole separate uh, two different styles of play that it used to be, the American and National. And it's too bad because it's always one of the things I look forward to every summer to see the All-Star game and see the matchups. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly not what it used to be. And, uh, you know, you look at the TV ratings, and they haven't been real good for the last quite a while now. And uh, I think it's certainly lost its luster uh, with a lot of the fans.
1: Uh, Are the Pirates doing better or worse than you thought? And what does the second half hold? Because if they do trade Frazier, I could see the bottom kind of dropping out emotionally.
2: Yeah, I think they're just, uh, I thought they would i didn't think they'd be good. I thought they might be just a touch better than they are, but they uh they can't score runs at all. I thought they would score a few more runs than than they have and as far as the bottom falling out with fraser uh yeah that wouldn't surprise me it remind me a lot of the uh two thousand and nine team. When they traded a lot of guys, Jack Wilson, Freddie Sanchez, just to name two off the top of my head, and they uh, and Jason Bay, and they went basically with rookies and journeymen in the whole second half, and it really got ugly, especially in uh, August and September that year. And I do think if they trade Frazier, it may not go quite to that extent because it's not like they're trading three or four guys, but I certainly don't think they're going to be a better team without Frazier, for sure, and uh, certainly A little worse.
1: There have been some whispers that they were going to trade Brian Reynolds. Uh, I just can't see that. They still have considerable contract control with him, don't they?
2: Yeah, they do. He only has a little over two years of uh, Major League Service time. Uh, The only way I see them trading him, and maybe I'm totally wrong with this, but I think if somebody really overwhelmed them and gave them like two very, very, very top-of-the-line like elite prospects, and then like a third really good prospect, and then a fourth guy that is has a chance to be really good, then maybe they trade him. But I I, I really believe that he and uh, Key Brian Hayes are the two guys on this big league club right now that can be part of the, the solution long-term and help them get good again.
1: Now, i, I got to ask, John, I, I've read a couple of things you've written about the umpiring. How bad is the umpiring right now, and why doesn't MLB fix it, either with firing the bad umpires or using the uh, the uh, graphic strike zone?
2: Well, that's a great question. And, you know, Rob Manfred's been asked that many times over the years, including by me, why are umpires basically untouchable. You can be terrible at your job and you have a job for life. And he just uh, gives the default answer, well, that's the, the contract we have with the union, why they don't change the contract with the union when the negotiations come up after the contracts run out. I don't understand. And he just blows it off. But yeah, I think the umpiring is uh I think it's it's bad. Part of it is the technology's gotten so better that we can see how bad it is more easily than we used to be able to. But yeah, and especially a few guys, you know, C B Buckner, uh angel hernandez i mean those guys when they're behind the plate mark it's just like flipping a coin what they're going to call you just you really have no idea they're inconsistent they don't call the zone right and i think the sooner major league baseball can develop this technology with the robots, the quicker you're going to see it be put into uh, put into play I, I think uh if they could do it if they had the technology perfected enough i think they would do it tomorrow i, I really do
1: john great stuff thank you so much for taking the time
2: Oh, anytime, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
1: That's the terrific John Parada, America's Most Dangerous Baseball Writer. Up next, it's time to ask Mark anything. Ask Mark anything, anything, anything. 412-333-WXDX.
0: Abby. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. You
1: live by the ass,
0: you die by the ass. Well,
1: I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that
0: subject. Wait a minute. Prostitution's illegal? The X at 105.9.
1: It's time to ask Mark anything, dial 412-333-WXDX, or you can tweet me at MarkMaddenX, the number again, 412-333-WXDX. Joe starts it off with a very simple question, cake or pie? And that's a tough one to answer. Depends on what type of cake, what type of pie. Probably my favorite out of the two genres is apple pie a la mode. So I'm going to go with apple pie. Number one, but like Oreo cake, anything with Oreos in it, there's Oreo cake, but not Oreo pie. So I'm going to go with apple pie. Andy tweets. Who do you think the Kraken will take from the penguins in the expansion draft? Well, We went over that a bit earlier. I think the penguins would like to have them take Zucker, but I think his contract's too big. I think they'll lose either Bluger or McCann. And that depends on who they choose to protect between the two. You don't need to protect Carter because he's a 36-year-old center who would probably retire if he got taken. So I think it'll, it'll be either Bluger or McCann, although I hope it's Zucker. Dr. Sean tweets, how much money did you lose on your England bet Sunday? Well, Dr. Sean, you're clearly not paying attention. I won six hundred dollars. I bet on the game to end tied after ninety minutes regulation. That's exactly what happened. I bet two hundred. Excuse me. I bet three hundred to two to one odds. So I cleared uh, a cool six hundred dollars, five eighty five to be exact. Because you got to pay the vig, five eighty five to be exact. Uh, Nate. Tweets, what's the best concert you've ever been at? I've said that many times. I think it was 1988 at the Wheeling Civic Center. Aerosmith with Guns N' Roses opening. And uh, it was brilliant. Aerosmith starting their climb back up after disassembling for a while. Well, Perry and Whitford left for a while. They were back. They were starting to clean up. They were starting to really rock out again. And Guns N' Roses on the heels of Appetite for Destruction were really making their mark and trying to challenge Aerosmith every night. Elia tweets, how did your cat react when you walked in the door? Uh, kind of standoffish for a bit because she was mad I went away, but, uh, but she was fine once I fed her, as she always is. Uh, Alex tweets, when you retire, would you consider moving away from Pittsburgh? Yeah, I consider it more and more all the time. It would probably be to Conneaut Lake. I would probably get a second home there. And live primarily there, but but also keep my uh, current house in Pittsburgh as well. And believe me, I think more about retiring all the time. Uh, Eric, did you see any live bands in Vegas? No, not this time. When I go back in August, I'm going to see Guns N' Roses. I was going to go back in two weeks to see my friend Brian Tichy, the drummer, ex-drummer for Whitesnake and Foreigner, played with Red Beach and Whitesnake. Uh he has this Led Zeppelin tribute band, the Moby Dicks, that are really good. And they're playing two nights in a row at this great rock club, consvamped Vamped. But I couldn't get a reasonable airline ticket. I couldn't get any tickets on Spirit that had the big front seat. And uh, even for me, the first class on Delta, I don't know why for that trip, but it was just through the roof expensive. Uh, let's go to GC in the car. GC, you're on with Double M.
2: Yeah, Mark, I was just wondering, with college athletes being allowed to get paid now, um, you know, there's always that talk of them losing their eligibility whenever they turn pro. Well
1: well, um, well, no, no, no. They're they're allowed to use their image name and likeness rights. They're not getting paid for playing. They still can't get paid for playing. One thing that's interesting I found out though, is uh Barstool was gonna sponsor a bunch of athletes, but they run a gambling site, so they can't sponsor Pat McAfee is very, he was going to sponsor some college punters, I think, but I don't think he can because he's also involved with legalized gambling. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Andrew, do you see any NFL franchise ever moving to Canada? No, I don't think so. Uh, There was talk for years, the Buffalo Bills moving to Toronto, but... uh, They've certainly prospered in Buffalo recently, and they have a real good team now, which will keep fan interest. Uh, No, I don't think so. They have the CFL. They'll settle for, you know, the 110-yard field and the three downs. Mike says, regarding the Penguins, you think Thomas Tatar would be a good fit for the Penguins? He'd likely play for a discount. Uh, I don't think he'd play for a discount. Is he even a free agent? I'm not sure that he is. I'm looking it up in very hurried fashion. Um, boy, these websites are so hard to access. Thomas Tatar just played for Montreal. I think he's a good fit skill-wise. Yes, he is a free agent. His contract last year was 5.5 mil. Now the Penguins, he'll, he'll, he, if he gets less than that, it won't be much less than that. And boy, what planet are you living on when you think guys will play for a discount? Peter tweets: What are the top three things you recommend someone do for their first time in Vegas? Well, you see, the first time's different than the other time. I would go to the Caesar's Palace buffet because you got to try Vegas buffet. There's nothing like a, a buffet in Vegas. Although I've not, I've not uh, eaten at a buffet in Vegas for years now. I've uh, cut that out. What else would I do? I would go see one of the big production shows, like one of the Cirque du Soleil's. I think that that is a part of the Vegas experience. And I would go to a comedy club or find some kind of Elvis impersonator or get something that's very basic, uh, Vegas 101. Uh, What else do I got here? Oh, Eaton Park, uh, Bobby mentions Eaton Park has an Oreo cream pie. They do, and it is tremendous. Uh, D tweets, World Cup Finals or Stanley Cup Finals, Game 7, free tickets. Which would you go to? Uh, depends who's playing. If the Penguins are in the Stanley Cup Finals, I'd go there for sure. Otherwise, the World Cup Finals. All right, that was a pleasant show, all things considered. We'll do it again tomorrow. Adam Crowley, co-host from 4-2-5 here on 105.9 The X.